Hi, this is Jamie Strickland, host of Web Comics Reviews and Interviews. Tonight we're looking at Vikings Inn, so sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. This is going to be a fun concept for you. When it comes down to it, Zen is essentially a state of non-being. That is, you toss aside everything that essentially makes you human and basically just become part of the moment, literally. So in a sense, you stop being human and you start being more part of the general universe as a whole. Well, there's essentially two different ways to reach this state of Zen. The first, obviously, is through good old-fashioned transcendental meditation as per the Buddhist monks. In essence, by controlling your breathing and other aspects, and by focusing your attentions inward, you can then essentially make those attentions go outward. In essence, by focusing inward, you eventually lose track of who you are, and shed a lot of what we consider to be human, the ego, the superego, and you simply become part of the greater universe. The key in that sentence is that you essentially become whatever is part of what's going on around you to a degree. So, you know, you're no longer really human, you're not quite an automaton, but you're nonetheless able to focus more accurately on whatever it is you're trying to meditate about. I mean, it could be argued that instead of trying to actually worry about what's going on, you let your subconscious take over, let everything go somewhere in there, and then when you come out of the meditation, you're able to focus a lot better on whatever it was you're meditating on. We know that this state works because the Buddhist monks obviously aren't the only ones who do it, they're just simply the ones that are best well known for it. Uh, obviously this applies a lot to anybody who does a lot of religious stuff and secludes themselves specifically for the idea of meditation. However, what I'm sort of suggesting here is that a state of inaction isn't the only way to attain a state of Zen. Rather, you can basically go into, well, let's look at Viking warriors, for example, who went into battle, attained a berserk state, and once they did so, they were, you know, incredibly ferocious in battle. I'd sort of point out they were able to do this by getting rid of all the stuff that we consider to be human and, well, becoming part of the situation that was going on at the time and relying on, you know, reaction to stimulus and other stimuli and good old-fashioned muscle memory and allowing that to take over for a little bit. In essence, the person would enter into battle, enter into the berserk state, and would only come out of that berserk state and would have, you know, after the battle. And just like a person who'd done transcendental meditation, had no idea how much time had actually passed. Just like the person who, did, you know, was doing transcendental meditation, they were able to take advantage of the way the subconscious works and essentially just let it go. And once they were coming out of battle, well, yeah, they'd be more fatigued, but there would also be a certain level of well-satisfaction about it. Obviously, this would allow them to deal with some of the more traumatic things that they'd done as well as seen during battle. Then again, I'm not really, we don't really have a whole lot of accurate stats on PTSD and Vikings, which would be sort of an interesting study. But the basic gist here is they simply did what they had to do and 
you know, dealt with it. More to the point, he did this without any of the additional filters we put on as regular humans, such as, you know, fears and general overall distractions. They just simply did it. What I'm sort of suggesting here is that we take advantage of the Vikings in as it was as Arthur's and, well, figure out a way to take advantage and just use it just like the Vikings would. I mean, let's get real. We've all been in that one state as a writer where we get into a situation and we, instead of doing our dutiful, you know, five pages a day or whatever, we just simply start writing. And it's almost as if we're peering into another world. We're allowing that other world to just simply happen and we're recording what's happening in that other world. And by the time we've slipped out of that, that is, we've returned to the regular world, you know, we have no idea what's happened, but we've gotten a lot of stuff done. In essence, we have our own writers in. Well, here's sort of a weird concept for you. One of the problems we have as writers is getting into that state of Zen. Obviously, dealing with transcendental meditation may not work for us because, again, it's a state of inaction rather than action. And as such, you are pulling yourself away and you're able to see the world without distractions, but you're not really able to do anything while you're in a state of meditation. What I'm sort of suggesting is we take some, you know, get, take some clues from what the Vikings were doing and translate that into as much as we can into what we're doing as writers. After all, they basically did a lot of the same things we did, just we're doing without a lot as much blood. You know, we're basically stripping out our higher rationality, so to speak, the ego and that, and essentially just simply trying to be, you know, be part of the moment and just simply be the writing. I think there's, but the key here is that we're trying to do a state of action, or sorry, meditation through action. And since we are trying to be more active than the Buddhist monks, I think that while we can still definitely take advantage of stuff we get through meditation, we just have to look for a different role model. With that in mind, here's some nine basic concepts of Vikings in. If this works, great. If not, hey, yeah, so be it. I'm not really going to care. <laughs> Obviously, the first concept is going to be simply charging ahead. This doesn't necessarily mean charging into danger just because it's there. It means instead of having to take all this time that you basically deliberate and all this, well, it means making decisions quicker. You know, instead of worrying about 57 details that don't really matter to the situation, we basically prioritize it, figure out what we need to get done, and well, just charge ahead, you know. Instead of dwelling on it, just make a decision. I mean, obviously, this is you know, a lot of writers know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a lot of times when you want to make a decision based on, you know, will this make the character look better? Will it help me sell the book? How hard will this be to market? Don't worry about that stuff. If you worry too much about that kind of stuff, it's going to bog you down. It's just that 
it's a lot better to sometimes just simply charge into a situation, let the cards fall where they may, and then pick everything up when you're done charging, and go at it that way. I mean, there's a lot of really cool characters a lot of us wouldn't do if we're thinking about it. And that plays as much to, you know, if we decided we're going to try to market this novel a particular way, but all of a sudden we find out it's not working, we need to have the freedom to basically say, hey, this is not working, crumple it up metaphorically, and toss it behind our shoulders. You know? We need to basically stop worrying about the situation as we perceive it, and just simply be more in the moment. And I figured by just simply charging ahead, figuring out how to make decisions faster, make, deciding, okay, is this important, is this, or is this more important, and basing it off of that, rather than, you know, how we're going to market it. The bottom line is, we need to look at it as it, as something pertains to the story and the plot. We need to worry about the actual writing more than anything else past that. You know, we're all aware that there's a lot of social media issues out there, and we have to make a decision if we're going to be more worried about what people on social media are going to say, or if we're going to basically be more worried about what we want to say. Or more accurately, what the story wants to say. You know, it's just at some point in time, you need to basically screw what everybody else is going to say, charge in, do what you're going to do, and deal with the cards afterwards. The bottom line is you don't know what's going to happen until you actually try it. You can make some great guesses, but until you actually do it, until you actually decide what the character is going to do, where the plot's going to go, so on and so forth, you don't know what's going to happen. And if you worry too much about what's going to happen, you're just simply not going to make a decision. So obviously, just charge into the situation and deal with the situation afterwards. Otherwise, it's going to drive you nuts. Let's not forget, of course, that physical activity is good. You know, obviously, you know, getting away from the keyboard is a great thing and going out and raking leaves, even raking leaves, taking a long walk, so on and so forth, is a good thing. Physical activity is good in the sense that it allows us to get away from the more cerebral world and just worry about little things. You know, the color of leaves on trees during the various times of the year. How well do the roses smell? You know, are there too many squirrels in the area? Yeah, I know, some of us worry about weird stuff. But, the key is that you need some sort of physical activity in your life. This isn't just for the endorphins. It's also obviously for the antioxidants. Uh, the more physical you are, and I'm not saying keep in mind that you have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, oh my gosh, look at the muscles, buff. Just simply doing something that you enjoy that allows you to be a more physical person. You know? We're cool. It's going to actually help a little bit with the aging issue if you're worried about that. Because the more endorphins and antioxidants you got going for you, that'll be held off a little bit. Both of those are great for anti-aging. But, and obviously this is also going to keep you healthy, especially if you do it in sunlight. You know, at that point you've got that really cool vitamin D stuff coming into you. But, and well, we all 
don't mind a little bit UV radiation every so often because it makes it actually look tan versus oh my gosh you can be fluorescent in midnight type of deal and you know what I'm talking about especially if you're Irish but you know this is also going to help you build your own confidence especially if you're doing some sort of physical training you know and again I'm not saying you have to go to extremes you don't have to be a marathoner don't get me wrong if that's who you are great but it's not necessarily who, you know, you don't have to train for a marathon. Just simply being able to lift five pounds more. You know, little easy goals are going to help build your confidence. And the more confidence you have, the better the writer you're going to be as well. Again, this goes into, you know, the whole taking charge of situation. The more confident you are, the, more, the less indecisive you're going to be as well. So being physical going out even something as simple as going out grabbing a soda you know getting away from the desk and just simply having some fun with family once in a while and trust me we'll get to that you know you need that physical aspect not necessarily because it's a mandatory human thing it's just it's just a really good healthy thing you know get the blood pumping do something you know this is why a lot of people have dogs. It forces them out and take to you know take dog on a walk every so often. It's not a bad thing. There are other obvious physical activities you can partake in. But I'm trying to keep it clean, so we're gonna go with exercise. But whatever ends up working for you, hey, that works for you. Just do something to get you away from the desk and get you doing something active. You need something to at least get you a little bit of an endorphin rush. So, just figure out what that thing is and go for it. Trust me, your writing will get better just by do, you know doing something and attaining a goal every day. This is a weird one, but just trust me on this. But don't be afraid to get naked. And I don't necessarily mean this is in shedding all your clothes and going streaking across the parking lot. In this case, I'm referring more to an emotional nudity. That is, one of the things we tend to do as humans is we tend to get so wrapped up in people's opinion of us that we tend to, you know, hold up our emotions, bury them as deep inside our brain as we possibly can. And when we should basically be going after somebody's throat, we're limiting it down to a meh as far as anybody can actually tell. That's not entirely a bad approach, but it's not entirely a good one either. So what I'm looking at here when I'm talking about nudity isn't actually a physical nudity, even though it could be part of it. You know, you obviously shouldn't be afraid to try new things. You know, obviously skinny dipping or skiing naked can be part of that, but just simply getting out on the slopes in the first place works or you know taking up a new hobby or just trying something you know you need to shed your limitations you need to stop wrapping yourself up and instead of saying hey you know i really don't know what to do about that just go ahead and say either screw it, say screw it i really don't care about the situation so i don't really have an opinion on it or go full bore into what your opinion is on it even if you're wrong, at least you gave, gave out some sort of opinion.
so be it. In essence, what I'm saying is, when, you know, don't be afraid to be naked, obviously I'm saying, hey, you know, don't be afraid to show emotion, don't be afraid to try new things. Don't wrap yourself up so much into yourself that you essentially lose touches with whoever you are. And a lot of writers tend to forget this, and what they end up is with some really sterile writing. You know, it... Erg. It goes into the cold jazz versus hot jazz thing. Most writers tend to be really good about the cool jazz. That is, we tend to basically mess around with the writing and new forms of writing and so on and so forth that it becomes really fun stuff to read, but only in the sense of it's really technical and it's something, you know, we're basically more playing around with how to do scales than we are with how to put the passion into the scales. What you need to do is sort of balance that cool jazz with the hot jazz. That is, just as cool jazz tends to deal with the technical, clinical, sterile stuff, hot jazz tends to deal with raw passion and you can tell when somebody's doing the hot jazz because you feel emotion yourself. You start feeling the passion, the emotion. In essence, you know, that humanity part. And as a writer, we tend to get so wrapped up in trying to explain things that we tend to forget that sometimes the best way to explain things is to just simply say what we're thinking. Don't worry about what's, you know, just charge into the situation. Don't worry about where the cards are, just simply be who we are. So don't be afraid to be naked. And please, you know, don't take your clothes off in front of a child care center. Just, you know, you know what I mean. Be who you are. Don't worry about what everybody's going to say about you, because trust me, no matter how good you think you are, people will still say bad stuff about you. You just have to make the decision if you want what they're saying bad about you to be true or to be what, you know, an actual lie. I would personally prefer to be made fun of for who I am than who I'm trying to pretend to be. So occasionally, so don't be afraid to go around a little bit naked. It may not be a bad thing for you. Don't be afraid to party. Let's get real. The Vikings were well known for their partying, especially with the mead and the fruit. You know, after a good battle, nothing like celebrating that you survived. Well, you as a writer may not do the same, you know, level of uh, life-threatening activities. Unless, of course, you're like Ernest Hemingway. Good grief. But, in general, it's not a bad idea to celebrate every so often. You know? Life is short. Get out there and enjoy it a little bit. You know, this goes back to that whole, we've only got one life, let's live it to the fullest. You know, when you arrive at that final resting place, you don't want to arrive there in this beautiful body that nobody's going to see. Screw that. You want that thing to have some use on it. You know, you shouldn't be afraid of having wrinkles and scars. I mean, there's the old saying, you know, bones heal, bruises heal, but chicks dig the scars. Those scars aren't necessarily battle wounds or anything. They just simply allow you to express who you are. I don't care if they're actual scars, if they're tattoos. 
if they're just simply really cool life experiences. You need to have them. You need to get out there and enjoy yourself. I mean, admittedly, writing a good novel, getting into the groove and the feel of the novel is a really great way to enjoy. But occasionally, letting other people in on the secret isn't a bad thing. And let's get real, a, little, a joy shared is a joy magnified. You want to get out there and enjoy whatever you're doing and show that you've actually done something. And not necessarily because of bragging rights, but just simply to point out to yourself that, hey, I've done something. And just as a joy shared is a joy magnified, well, pain shared is also pain diminished. If you're having a really bad time, feeling depressive, you know, you're just having a bad time, you've just had a really bad encounter, you know, having fun with family or friends is not necessarily a bad thing. You're just getting online and say, hey, I need a hug. Trust me, if you've got friends, you'll get that hug. Even if if it's just simply uh, somebody saying hug or somebody doing a really bad gif of, you know, people hugging or what have you. The bottom line is, you have to go out and say, hey, I want to do this. And sometimes, what you want to do is you want to mourn. Yeah, you want to celebrate, don't get me wrong. You want to hit that bottle. You want to hit that party. You want to do something to celebrate. But if you have to mourn, that's also part of the process. Don't be ashamed. You know? Be who you are. Don't be afraid of what other people are going to say because, you know, if people are going to nail you for who you are, you probably shouldn't be around those people. It's time to look for an entirely new crowd. The bottom line here is figure out who you want to be, figure out what you want to celebrate, what you need to mourn, and do so. You have a friend who passed? Mourn that person's passing. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with crying or you know, saying, hey, I need a hug. If you need it, ask for it. You're not going to ask no until you try. You shouldn't be afraid to travel and meet people. Even if you're doing it in the sense of watching a travel special on the Travel Channel or you're just messing with people that are from other areas, hey, at least you're trying to meet people with different cultures other than your own or investigate other cultures other than your own. You know, I hate saying this is one of the cool things about being a Viking is the whole, hey, let's go out and raid a place. But while we're there, let's investigate the local cult, even if it's us tracking it down and killing it. Um, Which I know sounds a little weird, but let's get real. One of the cool things about the Vikings historically is that when you start looking at a lot of Viking culture, you start seeing a lot of influences from a lot of other cultures in there. It's just when they traveled, they would pick other things up. They would actually talk to some of the people here and there. And, well, when they brought home slaves... That culture from the slaves' culture would actually start infecting, to a certain degree, the Viking culture. So, in essence, you know, Viking culture was a really great melting pot. I mean, sure, essentially it stayed Viking, but there were all sorts of interesting little tidbits here and there. If you look closely enough, you'll see them. 
you need to be the same thing as a writer because let's get real, you can't write about another culture if you don't know anything about that other culture. And unless you want everything you write to be pretty much the exact same thing, and you want to limit all your characters to exactly the same types of characters, well, you need to have some sort of influx. You need to have some sort of new blood into yours in order to basically be a better writer. You know, you need to explore other cultures. I don't care if you're just simply going local and taking advantage of the fact that you've got a really great Chinese restaurant or switching it up and going, I don't know. We have a poke restaurant that just recently opened up. That will be fun to explore when I actually start trying to figure out where it is. But, you know... You basically just can't go with the same stuff you're used to. You need to break out of that and actually explore the area around you. You need to figure out what the other cultures are. Like I said, I don't care if you're talking to other people online about what their culture looks like or you're watching a travel special or you're going to a different part of town. You know, the bottom line here is you need to basically explore and do some sort of traveling. Obviously, there's some good cultural developments, you know, you'll get rid of a lot of the isms. You know, if you're a feminist exploring uh, somebody who's a little bit more macho, for example, would be interesting to see how that would relate to some of your stories. Could you figure out a way to, you know, some sort of common ground between extreme feminism and, you know, an extremely macho type of person where that common ground is and actually use it to make your character stronger? You know, you're going to find out that the more widely traveled, the more you know about other cultures, you know, the less racist, the less sexist, the less ist you are. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Admittedly, there are some people who tend to resist that a little bit more, but, you know, expanding your mind and accepting other people from other cultures as just as valid from their experience as yours is not necessarily a bad thing. Obviously, there are some cultures that are bad out there. But, you know, that's, it's just, if you're going to look at humanity, you can't accept the good without accepting the bad as well. And you're not going to be able to know the good from the bad if you keep yourself locked up and in one, you know, 10 by 6 area. You need to explore other people. I don't care if you go out and you actually visit China, you watch a show on Chinese, or you just simply talk to somebody who's Chinese, you know. You are exploring another culture, and that's fine. Just do what you can to get away from the typewriter and not necessarily, you know, explore some people. Have some fun with it. You're going to find out that the more you explore other people, just like the Vikings, the stronger you'll be after a while. You know? There's a lot of advantage to travel. I mean, heck, at the very least, you never know what you're going to learn until you actually learn it. And when you start exploring other cultures, they have a lot of different ways of looking at things than you do. In some cases, they have mandatory skills or different perspectives that are sort of fun to play around with. You know, look at the SEA, for example, Society for Creative Anachronism. Uh, you've got these really great people that deal with a romanticized version of the medieval era. And so it is a 
some really great time to play around with. You're going to learn a little bit about combat. You're going to learn about you know how to defend yourself in a crunch, and you're also going to figure out some of the really great alcohols and other foods they had at that era. Or heck, look at furries. Another really weird subculture. It's sort of interesting to decide, or talk to somebody and decide, figure out how they decided on their particular persona. You know, that part of them they project to the rest of the world, even if they keep part of themselves to eat themselves. If that is, you, you know, if having a second skin that you project to the world while keeping yourself hidden doesn't appeal to you right or there's something seriously wrong there. But again, it's just go out there and just explore and meet with other people somehow. Obviously, enjoying a hobby isn't necessarily a bad thing either. Again, it's something that helps you build a little bit of confidence because you're mastering a skill, even if it's a relatively trivial one. And don't worry about how the skill looks performs in terms of some sort of hypothetical zombie apocalypse. You've got way too many people who take on skills because they're trying to be doom preppers. Don't get me wrong, that's not a bad idea. That's an a fascinating hobby, if nothing else. But, don't restrict yourself to skills that have practical value. If you have something you just simply want to try and see how it feels, go for it. You'd be sort of surprised that the bleed over into other areas it has. You know, um, there's a really great play. I believe it's Agatha Christie's Old Lace, but don't quote me on that title. Trifles, sorry. Trifles is the name of the play. Where you basically have two detectives who miss a lot of clues because they're looking at big stuff. And you have these two women that are going in behind the two detectives who realize that... Yes, you know, they figure out who did it. They figure out why she did it. They decide that, hey, she was in the right. And they basically take care of the little details, you know. One of the things, for example, is that the woman who killed off her husband or whatever, um, one thing she did was that she was doing a doily, a lace doily. And you can tell that she was starting to get more and more unraveled because the loops in the doily kept getting bigger and bigger as you know, time went by, and you can tell that in the doily itself. Well, one of the women decides to go ahead and redo her doily a little bit to get rid of the big loop so that nobody else catches it. In essence, by noting little details, in this case, how to do a doily, Agatha Christie was able to build a little bit of suspense, make some really cool details, and have a little bit of fun making fun of the two detectives who were missing all the obvious clues. Well, obvious if you know where to look. You know what I mean? And that's just a relatively hot, you know, little, little, little detail. Well, I guess the place called Trifles for a reason. So, you know, the hobbies can actually help you as a writer again. However, they also help you as a human because not only are you learning a really interesting skill of some sort, but that skill no doubt has a community. And by a getting better at the skill or just simply getting into it, you can actually be part of that community. And let's get real. You need somebody besides family and friends. You need friend, You need straight acquaintances. You need people who you can get lost in every so often. That's not a bad thing. In fact, it's a great thing. The more things that tie you into humanity, the better you as a writer 
can do other types of humans. You know, the more people you're exposed to, the more different types of people you can write about. And that's, you know, obviously that's never a bad thing. It's just sort of interesting how many writers try to avoid becoming hobbyists. You know, well, my writing is my hobby. Yeah, don't be that kind of person. Your writing is your lifeblood. You need something that allows you to get away from that every so often. Even if it's, you know, peripherally related to writing. I'm a tabletop gamer. You know, I like DMing. It's not just because it allows me to create stories, but also means I can get it lost in the rules. And sometimes there's some really fun stuff out there. But again, you know, some of the rules arguments I get into online get really bizarre and really esoteric, and that's where I like it. That's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. So, you know, just find something you like and go for it. You're going to, and especially if it has a community, you know, you're going to find a lot of really great hobbies out there, some of which have absolutely nothing to do with survival, and that's fine. You know, not everything you do has to be tied into being, you know, some sort of survival skill. Sometimes you just simply want to make doilies. You want to figure out how to do a better bonsai. You know, origami is a great hobby too. Just find something that you enjoy. And, well, enjoy it. This is going to be a weird one, but trust me. Realize that most successful start fights start from home. Now, obviously, I'm not going to encourage you to go out and get into a fight with your husband or your lover or even your brother or sister on a nightly basis. I'm just trying to point out that your best fights are going to start from wherever you start from. And you don't necessarily have to actually start a fight. You know, you, what I'm looking at here is that, well, look at that Viking yet again. You know, you've got somebody who, prior to battle, would sharpen their axes. Well, obviously, would also have to forge their axes or swords, their armor. They would have to prepare all the stuff at home. They'd also have to have a way to prepare, you know, make sure this stuff worked. They needed to test it. Trust me, there's nothing better than testing a suit of armor than putting it on and having somebody hit you around. Or better yet, you know, put the suit of armor, grab the practice sword, even a real sword, and go after somebody. At that point, you're honing your skills, you're making sure your equipment works, and you're having some fun with it. On top of that, after the after the battle, the Vikings would sit down, they'd go over the stories, they figured out what they did right, what they did wrong, you know, how to make sure that they kept doing whatever they did right, make sure they kept figuring out a way to do that, and how to stop doing what they did wrong. It's like, dude, you know you're handling your sword completely wrong, and here's how you should have done it. It's perfectly legitimate criticism after a fight. And there's nowhere better to have this kind of conversation than back at the lodge with a pint of beer. Especially if, you know, nobody has their swords. Or axes. Throwing knives. You know. You want everybody to be nice and comfortable and toasty and warm and a little on the drunk side and, you know, belly full. Like you said, they recognize that 
the best place to prepare for a fight or was right at home. And to a certain degree, you've got to be the same way. You know, practice some of your skills in privacy, obviously. You know, just because you want to be an open person doesn't mean you have to be an open person. Sometimes you want to prepare something special for someone and you want to make sure you get it really, really right and doing it in open isn't always the best way to do it. You know, if you're having a problem with a character or something like that, you know, go to your friends and call them up, get online, get on the chat rooms, uh, go on to Facebook, what have you, and you can basically start asking your friends how to do this. But again, you're doing it from your actual home. On top of that, you can always practice this stuff with your family and friends, you know, the people you live with. You'll drive them bonkers. Trust me on this. If you haven't figured this out yourself, hey, you will shortly. And on top of that, you need to be have somebody who challenges you, and nobody challenges you like family. You're going to find out that not only are the challenges good, not only do they keep you focused, and they also tend to make you use whatever skills you have to their best. You know, you're going to nothing really. Focus you like a good challenge. On top of that, the more challenging you are, the more confident you are. Because even if you failed the challenges on a regular basis, at least you're trying. And trust me, nobody tries you like family. Just like nobody's trying like family. You know, you're going to want to basically do a lot of stuff at home where you're comfortable. You want to do it from where you're comfortable. So, you're going to find out real quick that the best place to practice stuff and to get prepared for things, is it your house? I just point this out because it may be a little obvious, but you know, you're in, in Kingdom Hearts, I'm not necessarily talking, you know, physical house here. Wherever you feel comfortable, obviously, is going to be your home. Home is where the heart is. You know, yeah, I know it used to be where the hearth is, but. We've dropped the H over the centuries, and we've established that wherever you are, wherever you're comfortable with, that's home. It doesn't matter if it's the firing range, the, the bedroom, wherever you're comfy, that's where you need to be. And that's where you need to start preparing and getting better at whatever it is you do. Because this obviously doesn't apply to just being a writer. When you start looking at Viking organization, you notice real quick that it basically comes down to roughly that of what we consider to be a wolf pack. That is, you've got somebody in charge, you've got the people under them, that is, you've got the alpha, you've got the beta, you obviously are going to have the omegas who are basically the rookies and the slackers, and you're going to have the mates you're going to figure into this somehow. Well, you need to basically figure out where you are in the wolf pack. A lot of writers tend to be lone wolves. That's fine. As long as you recognize that you are, in fact, a lone wolf. As opposed to, say, a bear, which is an entirely different type of critter. The key here is that people, like wolves, tend to basically be in terms of packs. Even if it's in terms of a loose organization. You know, if you've got a creative writing group, you're still going to have leaders, you're still going to have followers, you're still going to have the slackers. That's fine. When you start dealing with stuff online, you're going to, again, have people who fall, who lead the pack. You're going to have people who, you know, let's say you're taking, looking at fantasy writing. 
you're always going to have people who are looking at new ways to, you know, mess around with fantasy, and they're the pack leaders. Everybody follows them, and wherever they tend to find some really weird stuff, you know, you, they'll figure out even more weird stuff. That's a follower. Followers aren't necessarily... A good follower can be a leader in those themselves, even if they have somebody else leading them to the situation. A really weird way of looking at it is that just because you're led to a group of rocks doesn't necessarily mean you're going to limit yourself to finding the same prey that the leader does. You're not going to be looking for the big, obvious deer and rabbit. Sometimes you're going to be looking under the rocks and seeing what's there. But you still need somebody to drag you to that rock patch in the first place. So even though you've had somebody lead you there, you're still taking initiative and exploring stuff in that area on your own. You know, so again, you as a follower can still be a leader in your own weird way. Try to become, try to avoid being the slacker. Basically, this is a person who does nothing more than cut some people just for his own self-ego or just simply doesn't really contribute to the group. That's the person you don't want to be. You can criticize other people, don't get me wrong. But there's a difference between critiquing, you know, giving constructive criticism versus, you know, cutting somebody down just because you can. And you, especially as a writer, really need to know where that difference lies. So figure that out figure, and, you know, figure out where you are in the pack. Oh, and don't make the mistake that you have to have to be the alpha. Jeez, it's okay to be the freaking beta. The only part of the pack you do not want to be is the expendable. You know, you don't want to be a slacker. You don't want to be the ultra loser. You don't want to be the person who, when things start getting rough, that's the person everybody starts chomping on. You want to either be the alpha or the beta if you can. And I don't mean you have to be the beta or the alpha. Just know where you are in the pack and take comfort from it. It's not necessarily a bad thing to be the beta or even the gamma or delta, however deep your wolf pack gets organized. You know, it's even okay to be in the bottom rung as long as you're not basically the person who's there to, well, you know, cutting everybody down in your own pack or to weigh the pack down. Like you said, pack gets in trouble, you'll be the first one cut or eaten. Your choice, depending on the situation. Even if you are a solo wolf, or, you know, that's fine too. Just as long as you recognize that you are a lone wolf. Just as long as you also recognize that you can work within a pack every so often. Because trust me, packs need those lone wolves. Just look at the X-Men in Wolverine. Wolverine is definitely a lone wolf, but he works well with the team once in a while. Just something to consider. You know... Bottom line here is, don't be the slacker. Don't be afraid to be the beta. Betas have fun too. In fact, we have a lot of fun. And this is going to be a fun one, but you also need to realize that you can only be a generalist to some, to some degree. At some point, you're going to have to become a specialist in something. I mean, it's really great to know how to do pretty much every kind of knot in the universe, but, you know... Specializing in a sheep shank, for example, or a lasso, or something. It's really being, again, a Viking. You know, sure, 
everybody pretty much knew how to use an axe, knew how to use a sword, knew how to fight with a shield, could do basic repairs on their own armor, and everybody was a decent sailor. But this doesn't necessarily mean that you didn't have somebody who was the best axeman, the best swordsman, you know? Somebody who could basically intercept another blow with their shield without even thinking about it. Or was a better sailor than everybody else, and it showed because anytime you were on a boat, that thing went a lot faster than anybody else did. So, even though it's important to know the general skills that are part of your group, and as a writer, I think you can definitely appreciate that if you bring in skills from other genres, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know? Bringing in a... Doing a fantasy novel, but bringing in a bodice ripper mentality is all sorts of fun. Or if you're basically a hack and slash horror writer, you know, every so often bringing in a cute fluffy animal and building on that is a cute fluffy animal. There are certain advantages to being a generalist, but at the same time, knowing how to do specific things. Figure out how to do that, how to apply that to your life, and you're going to find things are going to be a lot easier. And if you notice how a lot of this stuff tends to bleed into each other, just making that out general observation real quick. So, making some sort of weird attempt at wrapping this up, Basically, what we're looking at is that instead of going the Buddhist monk style of Zen meditation and becoming one of the universe through essentially inaction, what I'm sort of looking at is finding a Viking Zen. That is, figuring out how to become one with the universe and more importantly, how to become one with your story through some sort of action. In order to do this, the best way to do it is simply go at it like a Viking. That is, charge into situations. And worry about where the things are lie after. Just simply do it. Um, physical activity, obviously, is a good thing. Look at the Vikings. Everything they did was pretty much physical, but they did have some really cool hobbies. That is, for as much as they were obviously into the fighting, and, well, obviously, some battle arts as well, uh, they had no problem doing the weaving, the writing, they're very well known for their sagas. And when you have a lot of downtime, you know, obviously, you know, doing some sagas is not necessarily a bad thing. Definitely, don't be afraid to party like a Viking. Go full bore. Don't be afraid to be naked. And I'm referring emotionally here, not physically. I mean, if you have to be physically naked too, that so be it. But definitely be worried about trying to present who you are and not who you, how people want you to be. That may have, that never works. It sounds like it will, but it never does. You want to travel and meet people, even if it's just keeping it local. Still, at some point in time, meet other people outside of your immediate circle. Flip side, just like a Viking. The best time you're going to have to prepare for stuff is at home. Take advantage of it. You know? Your family is not just there to challenge you but and build your confidence by knowing that you can take on challenges, but they're also there to help be your emotional support. Which I know is a weird way of looking at some of these family types because they're total jerks, but, you know, let's get real. The same person who is there who 
teases you will probably usually have some sort of rule that he's the only one allowed to tease you. If somebody comes after you, he will be the first person to your defense. Keep that in mind. And sometimes if you need a new family, find one. But you need to have a family. Uh, know your position within the wolf pack. Don't be a slacker, don't be a loser, but don't be afraid to be the beta either. And if you have an alpha, hey, if you mean, you know, sometimes people will switch between being beta and alpha. So be it. As long as you basically know what your position within the wolf pack is. Don't be afraid to fight for it. Um, and of course, you know, know the general skill package, but don't be afraid to specialize. People much prefer dealing with, if you have a specific skill that you're well known for, then hey, you're much more likely to be a party member. That's not a bad thing. Plus, by having your own focus and applying it to all of this, you establish who you are. So, I hope this helps. You know? Good night and may the good Lord take a Viking to you.